This podcast was recorded at Hartford Street Zen Center, Isanji, in San Francisco. Please help support our temple by making a donation at hscc.org. Ideally, this uh, this kind of a talk is called a te show, and um, as I mentioned before, I think that means te is to express or demonstrate, and show means to shout. So. I suppose uh, Dharma talk may involve shouting from time to time. <laughs> That's what's desired. But really, what it refers to is um, the speaker needs to be relying on his or her or their own experience. So that may be differentiates a talk in this sort of context from, you know, maybe a lecture of some kind where some particular topic is being enlarged upon. And in a way, one might feel that uh, That, that makes it kind of easy because one's own experience is always immediately to hand. You don't have to go anywhere. But then the real challenge comes in uh, trying to use words that capture some quality that the speaker wishes to convey. And that is not easy at all. Um, uh, I often think that perhaps this is how um, In Chan and Zen, we see the, a certain tendency uh, in Dharma teaching for people to throw things and hit people and yell and so forth. So it's a lot easier than trying to make a nice package of one's own experience in a way that's relevant to Dharma practice. So the other day, I was um, uh, walking over to uh, Costco, and I um, I was kind of in a uh, um, deserted stretch of sidewalk, and I noticed. I often look at the ground when I walk for some reason. 
But I noticed there was a, a cigarette butt there from which smoke was arising. And there was no one around. And this uh, suggested itself, this offered itself as a perfect occasion to engage with the teaching of being time, as Dogen calls it. In the background of my mind, there was also a um, echoes of a, uh, a talk that Brother David Steindlerast, by now well-known, Benedictine monk, who is also quite uh, experienced in um, Zen practice. And uh, I actually heard him speak along these lines years ago when I uh, drove him uh, to Mills College to give a talk. And he, he brought up this notion of Yeah, how how to understand and look at death. And he, on both of these occasions, this talk and then this, this uh, video on YouTube, when someone asked him about that, what, what about what happens to us when we die? And he said, well, we'll we will all find out eventually. But in the meantime, the main point, as he sees it, is uh, we have this expression to be out of time. So someone who's, who is dying is thought to be, oh, that person's almost out of time. And uh, Brother David said, uh, That's true, but it's much more important that we, all of us, come to understand that this uh, being out of time is not like hitting some kind of a wall. Instead, it is uh, being outside of time. When we die, we in some sense, step free of ordinary time. And uh, we, um, for however long or short, we take up residence in the now. And at that, at that time, and in the, this respect, the now is all there is. So we step free of time 
and are completely encompassed in the now. And this, this little smoking cigarette butt brought that immediately to mind. And I remembered, of course, the famous section from, um, among other things, uh, the section from the, the Genjo Koan, where Dogen says uh, to us, you know, look at firewood and look at ashes. And it is necessary to have a clear view of things but to understand that firewood and ashes have each their own now, their own history and future. And to tie them together to say that, well, yeah, there's uh, firewood and then you set it on fire and it turns into ash. Uh, limits our experience. So as I contemplated this cigarette butt, I realized that, well, in a manner of speaking, of course, this cigarette butt had a past. Presumably, someone lit it, smoked the cigarette, and then dropped the still smoking cigarette butt. And yet, from where I stood, the cigarette butt was also completely free of that presumed past and some imagined future. And I, I would suggest that, the, you know, okay, maybe this is a stupid example, but even so, it is actually important for us to undertake these sorts of uh, very careful ways of examining our experience of reality. And uh, making these little experiments. Because again, if we're not mining our experience, well, it's all, well, what are we doing? You know, we're just repeating what the text said or the textbook said or somebody told us or something. And with, you know, make, make a little careful effort, we can find that our experience is much broader than our habitual points of view might suggest. How, you know, well, how, how silly to notice a cigarette butt on the sidewalk. And 
uh, in, invite it to be free of its past and future. And the, the rising smoke is the unfolding of time and being moment by moment. I, uh, now I'm, I'm not suggesting though that um, this become a very um, you know, sort of feverish intellectual pursuit of some kind. Rather that we uh, we try to meet the world from here. deep in our belly rather than in our feverish thinking. There's nothing wrong with thinking, so let's be clear about that. But it does tend to dominate the world of our experience. And then it can be quite limiting. We, uh, we can wind up you know, feeling kind of uh, impoverished. Because you know, coming at the world from the intellect is just, just a small piece of what our experience has to offer. And so today, um, you know, I invite us to join together in this practice of this practice of now this practice of uh, witnessing the dynamic and inseparable power of time and being. Uh, even, uh, you know, in a smoking cigarette butt on the sidewalk. Uh, and just to be clear, I'm not, um, you know, I, uh, I'm not drawing on some, you know, uh, mystical ability that I have and you don't. So we should be clear about that. What I'm talking about is accessible to anyone. Once in a while, my teacher would say to me, uh, something like, were, were you forgetting to practice right then? <laughs> I, 
generally, I would have to admit, yes, I was. And that usually meant, you know, I was um, I was coming at ex the experience of my life in kind of piecemeal fashion. without letting the whole body, whole body mind be an organ of perception. Without acknowledging the endless and overarching now. So I, I would just suggest, you know, today, maybe this afternoon, or, you know, if we, if we have a little more time to sit together. Examine the world in all innocence. The, the way perhaps a child or perhaps someone who is, who has, has uh, come to notice that their, their death is imminent. I think the child and someone who is calmly anticipating death, they share some, some magic of perception. And again, this is accessible to all of us. Just catch yourself doing some inner recitation based on the habitual view the world in which smoking cigarette butts are just, you know, abandoned garbage. Rather than a uh, Dharma gate manifesting. And I think, you know, I think we uh, will find that the opportunities are endless. And that's why we say Dharma gates are endless. You know, Dharma gates are boundless because they are. And the example I'm giving is just one uh, limitless number. had a uh, one or maybe more than one woodpecker 
in the backyard here. It's that characteristic rat-tat-tat sound. And I'm pretty sure this would be a woodpecker who is probably heading north with the spring. And there also the um, the uh, sound wrapping on wood. Pretty sure that was a woodpecker. And yet, the experience of listening to that sound was not exhausted by saying, oh, that's a woodpecker. Hearing, hearing that sound was another invitation to follow the stream to the source, as we've been saying. And another occasion to ask, where, where is the world coming from? Where does my experience of the world come from? Is it all, you know, sort of out there and coming to me, a kind of perceptual sponge is absorbing everything? Or is that not really, uh, that is not a complete story? So the world has as woodpecker, the world as a cigarette butt, meets a world as us, as this body-mind, right here. This is likewise an invitation, you know, to notice, as Buddha said, there's nobody here. And that nobody is something miraculous. My teacher once said, there is just one life. In which all of existence is included. And of course, Zazen is a perfect opportunity to study this. Um, maybe uh, a little bit uh, peculiar take on the world. A perfect time to 
follow the stream to the source. To examine existence and time as a single phenomenon. To see uh, firewood and ash as dynamically related and yet also on independent trajectories. pressing matters to engage you today. So feel free to um, take what I'm saying and put it on the back burner until a more convenient time presents itself. But also, you know, here it is Saturday and uh, Maybe uh, we're, our responsibilities aren't pressing on us too much, so go outside and bear witness to this unfolding mystery. The more we um, cultivate our experience of the world in that, in that way, the more we'll be, so to speak, preparing ourselves for the now that is so-called death. Which, as Dogen reminds us, is an expression complete in the moment, not dependent on something else. That might be helpful. Uh, we, I, uh, I just remembered we are um, honoring Buddha's birthday today, and I haven't said anything about it, so. Sorry about that, but um, we are going to have a little ceremony here. I think we're going to try and uh, uh, do it in the garden. And uh, some of you all, maybe um, some of you who are vaccinated can, can come and join us. We'll be outside, so it will be pretty safe. And we got some cupcakes for Buddha and to share. 
And what I've been talking about, of course, is taking Buddha's gift and putting it to work. That gift is the reason for his appearance in our realm. And of course, his, uh, his sojourn in the current world began in grief, of course, because his mother died. As did Dogen's mother. That did not dissuade Shakyamuni from presenting us with the treasure of his teaching. I think that's about all I wanted to say. So um, perhaps there are some questions or comments. Okay, Dosana. Just wanted to thank you. Um, the being time teaching. Something here. Hang on. Oh, you can't hear me. Where's the button? Um, I think that did it. Ah, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yes, I can. It's going to thank you. Thank you. Oh, I'm echoing. Um, timely, uh, being, being, I was thinking that the transient, ungraspable thing, and time had something more solid to it. But then, when my mother was in the hospital for her heart situation, the doctor had informed me that um, I guess we came up. He said we came up with time based on human heartbeat. The Babylonians had. Um, by monitoring heartbeats. And that's how we came up with 60 seconds in a minute and 60 minutes in an hour. And then I, with my new bad habit of going to TikTok, which I've been enjoying a bit, I confess, um, I did watch a little brief thing where they said the Three Gorges Dam in China, because it slowed the, the rotation of the earth, has actually extended our days. Oh, and so I thought, okay. oh darn, I guess the timepiece of the being time is also ungraspable and not uh, very solid. <laughs> so the part that I thought was the more, you know, solid part of that teaching, maybe the being time, um, it's not the solid part after all. Well, thank you. Um, that's the sort of, uh, that's what, that's what Dogen in particular and other, you know, Zen types mean by, you know, study thoroughly your experience, study thoroughly what's happening, study thoroughly this Zen story, study thoroughly what's going on right now. This is what he means. So thank you for demonstrating that. And all of us can do that. Okay, Sam. Good morning, thank you for the talk. Um, for some reason, the part about 
I, I don't even that I picked up from your talk was about moving from the head to the hara, which I think is great and a practice for me because I feel like I I feel safer in the head, but would rather move from the hara, you know, be living there. And it seems to take trust. And I'm wondering what you think the trust is, because I was just studying with um, a Jewish group and their trust is in God and we don't have that. So is the trust in how things are arising? Is the trust in my karma? How, how does one find trust in living that way? Well, I guess I, I would say um, what came to my mind immediately hearing you is that my trust is in one another or in each other. And that's what feels sometimes kind of, you know, a little scary about it. Uh, if we are, you know, sharing this tender part of our body with the world, we don't particularly want the world to come and slug us there. And of course it may. So, uh, you know, getting, getting punched enough may, may make us, you know, permanently adopt this posture. And, you know, you can't be blamed for that, but it's, it's good if we can, well, you know, uh, how do I say, uh, you know, we, we don't check our brains at the door, as the old saying has it. And uh, there, there are occasions where um, our, our trust may need to be, you know, within and not immediately shared with anybody else. Not extended as an invitation to uh, people in some situation where maybe that's not so wise. So, so that's okay to, to protect our our tender places, but the trust for me is in other other beings. And in a manner of speaking, though, as you, as you suggested, uh, also one can completely trust our experience to be constantly bringing up occasions for uh, experiencing reality clearly. That doesn't that doesn't stop. So I would say, you know, I would invite myself to trust my experience deeply, trust the Buddha Dharma, and trust other people insofar as I can do that. I guess that's how I would put it. Does that speak to your question? Yeah, and would you would you say that that, maybe not from the Judeo-Christian point of view, but that trusting in Buddha Dharma is is God in a way? That's that's God. Yeah, I think uh, uh, trusting God in a sense is trusting in the actual, the true nature of the universe. And as uh, Brother David, whom I mentioned, likes to say, he likes to remind people, God is not a being. God is the source of being. And that sounds like, you know, it's just a kind of old semantic thing, actually very important. And it's amazing how many um, people who grew up in Christian, you know, Christian environment, they've never heard that. Who said that? Hmm? Who? Oh, uh, 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 Brother David. Yeah, uh, hmm? Brother David Steinle Ross, the, the Benedictine guy, he said that. Maybe in that same talk, I think. 
anyway, uh, so so God as source of being is is uh, completely trustworthy all the time. Maybe that's, thank you. That speaks to me. Thank you. Yeah, trusting people is a little harder. Especially down here in San Jose, I don't know. Just a lot of people angry and not wearing masks or honking at me in the car. I, I it's, it's that's a little harder. <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah. So again, care is you know some care is advised. Thank you. Well, uh, we do have a little more time to sit. And then we'll we'll go outside for our, our cupcakes and chanting the Heart Sutra. So I hope you all hang with us and um, just you know um, this morning we started our sitting at six, which is actually a little late in some respects, but. Um, Naturally, not everybody could, could be here, here, so to speak. But um, I know a lot of people like or think they prefer practice be like, you know, 9 a.m., 10 a.m. to 5 or 6. That's what they like. But there's something rather special about starting before dawn. You know, I'm doing Dharma practice as the sun is rising. Something rather special about it. So, isn't it like 4 a.m., 5 a.m. is special time? Well, yeah. In monastic. Yes, very much so. I mean, the. But then in southern they use, right? That's right. And the, the, the Carthusians get up at midnight, for God's sake, and go and spend two hours chanting. And then they get to go back to bed for a while. But getting up at midnight doesn't sound like fun, I have to admit. But they have nothing else to do. Well, they basically have nothing else to do. That's true. <laughs> Okay, well, uh, if, you, if you can't make it, happy Buddha's birthday to everyone. Um, uh, please take care and, and please, uh, you know, uh, mine your experience completely. Study it thoroughly. You won't be disappointed. Thank you very much. <laughs>